This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 258, Guide to Promissory Notes. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Promissory. Ooh, Hunter's getting yeah. fancy. His pinky my was out. My alternate pronunciation. <laughs> I'm doing my own thing here. You cannot stop me. Oh, boy. You're, you've gotten fancy before we go to Gen Con. Is that the thing you have to put on your, yeah. your pomp hey, and your just got to mention at the top of this episode, uh, this Saturday, we've got the finals. Oh, wait. Just kidding. We don't because it's over. It's over. We did it. The oh, my god. The finals gosh. is over. And the finals is now on YouTube. Uh, or it's will be any minute now. It's like I mean, it's uploading while Hunter and I record. So the go watch Yar. the finals on YouTube. It's done. The game was amazing. Uh, all, as always, but I have to make special mention of this one. Stick it out for if you feel like round three or round four is slow, because they always do feel slow. Yeah, boy, I tell you, don't go nowhere. <laughs> Stay in your seat, because round five goes places, uh, and you you need to yep. watch it. Uh, it's very good. Yeah, it was, um, I think the thing that I've settled on for this year's finals, to just give you a little bit of a teaser, it has, if you if you watch the end of Tournament 2, if you watched yeah. Duke Lukem Surprise Victory, sorry to spoil that, um, but <laughs> Tournament 2 has a dynamite ending, a fantastic ending. Tournament 4 has an ending as dynamite. Yeah. However, it is the other side of the coin. It's more of a series of horrifying accidents yeah. <laughs> where bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. Yeah. That's tournament four. Wow, right calling, was, calling, a, calling some people bad people, huh? Or is that just EJ? Yeah. <laughs> Nope, nope. I will. I yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah I, you'll call it. <laughs> There's a I'll bad I'll call person. it like I seize it, all right? And the way I seize it is there there were some bad, scary people this year. Listen, I love them. There's nothing I love better than bad people that yeah. play TI. Oh my god, right. those are my favorite people in the whole world, okay? <laughs> But well, man, uh, I, came, I, I came away frightened yeah, this year. I, I also think the pitch for this one is the faction pool fired on all cylinders. That that was oh, the yeah. faction pool. That worked. And we, we didn't pool. even, like, that was not, like, designed. You know what I mean? We we The faction pool was the eight factions that have never appeared in an SCPT finals game. Yeah. Uh, a Patreon yeah. tournament finals, I should say. We we excluded yeah, invitational, yeah, yeah. but a we Patreon. We didn't think about the invitational. Uh, but a Patreon tournament finals game. The eight factions in the multi draft were the eight factions that never appeared. Turns out that's a great set. Wow, what a set! <laughs> Very good. Well, yeah. So I I had that idea of like, oh, maybe we should just do the ones that haven't been featured yet, just for variety's sake. Right. And then I was like, and and I was like, ah, I don't even know who that will be. And I had just a few thoughts in my head of who it would be. And then I listed them all out, and I was like, oh, this is a pool right yeah. here. This is a great pool. Yeah. This you know? is killer. So, uh, anyways, please go watch that, and please stick around for next week's feed because guess what. Hunter and I are squeezing this episode right before we go to Gen Con for the week and do our live show. We're doing a bunch yep. of interviews, so stay tuned yep. for a bunch of Gen Con style content. Uh, and you know, keep an eye for everybody who's going to Gen Con. We have a game conventions channel on the Space Cats Peace Turtles Discord. I'm sure yeah. we will be organizing hangouts, and people there will be organizing their own hangouts, and we'll all figure out who's playing in the FFG tournament and go root for them and all that stuff. So let's you know, let's let's really kind of commune up and uh and do stuff while we're at gen con we'll see you there yeah yeah come say hi please 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 say hi please please be uh you know nice and uh have some sort of silly weird interaction with us uh in indianapolis indiana uh my favorite state just kidding it's not 
Uh, what are we doing today, Matthew? Today, we're squeezing in an episode while we have the time to think about it, and so we decided to talk about four or five things. That's it. Just four quick little things, maybe a fifth thing where we can. We're talking about promissory notes. Uh, We have not talked about promissory notes in a very, very long time, uh, especially not since POK is released. Although, that being said, we are th- treat this like a sort of part one with no promise of specifically when the part two will come about. But this part yeah. one is just the generic stuff. So we're not going to do any factions, faction promissory note. And no. while we will talk about alliance, we will not be talking about it in the specific content, uh, context of each faction. We will talk very broadly about the alliance promissory note but that is the scope of today's episode a really tight little thing just five little things to talk about yeah so it's not going to be a super long episode me and matt are very busy right now but i thought you know here's a component that we haven't talked about in a long time we haven't talked about this component since episode 87 wow um i consider this a spiritual successor to that episode and in fact i looked at the outline of that episode and it made me feel like episode 87 is probably not very good, so I'm going to go ahead and decanonize it. Without even listening to we it, I'm going to go ahead and say... strike it from the record. <laughs> I think we should strike it from the record. I, I Looking at the outline, I was like, what did we even say in this episode? It looks strange, freaked me out, didn't like it. So let's give it the old college second try. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, okay. old, the, old, the old non-traditional student college second attempt. <laughs> The first career didn't work, and now it's time to, yeah, the liberal arts degree didn't go so well, time to get a degree in accounting uh, so that it works. (laughs) Much as, you know, I'm sure me and your life might go, uh, you know, in the future, you know, is is us uh, turning this ship around and being like, well, time to get a real job. Yeah. I don't even know what you would say our dream is. Yeah, you know what I mean? I like, know. what dream is this yeah. that we are living? Um, a very weird one, uh, if, if anything. Um, so, yeah. Episode 87, goodbye. Welcome to the new hotness, episode 258. Um, which uh, promissory note do you want to talk about first, Matt? I think we should start with the one with probably the weirdest track record, which is to yeah. say... It has come and gone and come again and gone again. It's political secret. Uh, We'll go ahead and read it real quick. Uh, When an agenda is revealed, this player cannot vote, play action cards, or use faction abilities until after that agenda has been resolved, then return this card to that player. This essentially cuts a player completely out of an agenda uh, for all intents and purposes, writers, all the stuff, all the things uh, go away. Yeah. You just sit this one out. Yeah, it's uh, I feel like it's kind of magical in this way. The fact that it's no voting, no action cards, no faction abilities. Mm-hmm. Like we rarely get a definitive ability in Twilight Imperium. And this is one of right. those rare ones that really does cut out. All the all the little side aspects, all the little weird things that could be like, well, they can't do anything except for this. You really can't do nothing. Yeah. You really out of this, right? If the political secret right. is played against you, which is great, except for nobody cares and nobody really trades yeah. it that much. So that's kind of <laughs> weird. This is the classic example of the kind of thing that nobody actually wants because it doesn't benefit the person get receiving it. Uh, really anything like I don't get anything for playing it if it was like right then gain two trade goods at least I get two trade goods out of it or something but I as the receiver of this note get nothing and yeah. on the flip side of that the person who it is affecting it is only bad things and realistically in the way you should use it it is like detrimental. Like if this comes out on the uh, agenda where you have to vote to be able to receive a victory point, like that's the worst possible thing that could happen to you is that you gave this thing out for probably not enough money or whatever. You know what I don't like about it, Matt, is I don't like the window yeah. that it is in. Right. It, it is a when is an, an agenda is revealed. Um, and so what that means is that, you know, we re resolve all of the windows in a certain order so even if say i want to shut somebody down from being able to vote or play writers or whatever 
you know, if if they've got a veto in their hand and they're up first, then, well, they done played the card. I didn't even get to use it, even though I bought it from them right. fair and square. Right. Um, you know, th- there's not a whole lot of other wins, so I guess I should probably get over it and say whatever. However, I think if it was an after, that would provide kind of a neat uh, little aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So this whole problem of, People get to do stuff before I get to play the political secret would get worse. However, I would get more information. You know, whenever somebody tries to like rider both sides and like just go rider crazy, right? I think it actually would be kind of cool if you could play political secret and say, hey, I see what you're doing and I'm not letting you play any more riders. Yeah, all right. Yeah. You've got your leadership rider in there, but that's it. We're not having any more of this. Right. You already can't vote. So, like, maybe people would consider that kind of a loss, but I just feel like that's, like, a situation I actually see happen is the one where it seems like somebody's going to play a lot of riders. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would that would be I, cute. It's, it's like one of those rules nightmares, but once you learn it, the end effect is at least more interesting than what we currently have, because what we currently have is just this kind of unusable card uh, at the end of the day. I think the problem with it is that in order for a political secret to actually matter for the player that buys it, yeah. they need to get most of them. I mean, not necessarily all of them, right. but they would probably have to buy, you know, three, four of them before yeah. they can actually, like, swing an agenda just to their wishes, right. you know? Right. At this point, I feel like Political Secret only really exists to be a cool potential, and, and this is even overstepping, but it, it at least has a minor potential for the Mentak or the Nalu player who have abilities that can force someone to give them promissory notes. Right. And now, sometimes you get a political... Given the right timing, we're going to talk about trade agreement in a bit, and actually, more often than not, you're just going to get a trade agreement. But sometimes you'll get political secrets, and then in those instances, yeah, maybe you have, like, three political secrets and can actually do something with that. Because, yeah, cutting one person out of a vote really doesn't do anything, but cutting three people out of a vote to then have enough influence to do something is actually like a meaningful gain that I have. Yeah, I'm never like against the idea of having someone's political secret because especially if it's early game, I feel like, oh, you know, like this might really pay off given a very specific series of things yeah. that happen. Right. Um, however, I, I just, I, I feel like more often than not, it's like, also, I play a lot of poor factions, especially lately, so I do not have the excess money yeah. to just be buying your political secret, even if you'll give it to me for a trade good, right. because I'll just be like, dude, I don't have the money for this. Yeah. I can't do this right now. I think the people with experience with political secret are the people playing cute games, and and I mean that in a good way. They're playing games just for fun and seeing what kind of outcomes they can get. I think in tournament play, we almost never see anybody talk about political secrets, because again, it's just that kind of thing where it really is just too expensive for you to ever get give out there's nothing it could ever be worth compared to what it could cost you uh in the yeah. end you know what the round for it is is uh round two yeah so round one it's like i i don't i don't have the money to be buying your political secret even if it's like very cheap but round two you probably don't want to give me trade agreement you know yeah at that point you know trade is still on the table we're probably you probably right. don't want to give that to me so political secret is probably all right. The problem is that alliance is there just being this dumb, <laughs> get, uh, just here, take this. Yeah. If you want something from me, yeah. fake candy. So that's like really the problem is in base game, political secret was just in the early game, the de facto thing to give to somebody that just needed something from you for very right. little. Right. And now we've got two other, you know, kind of worthless contextual cards right. that you could get before you even get political secret. Yeah. So it's hard to collect them, but uh, hat, hats off to you if you do it. Yeah. I, I feel like the story of political secret over time, it was, and this is true for um, a couple of these promissory notes, but the story used to be like Hunter and I never really bought them or tried to sell them, right? We just we, we just didn't even really think of them. That's how the show used to be. Like probably at the time of the first promissory note thing, it was like, I don't know, we're not really thinking about them that often. And now it's flipped to, no, they're so dangerous, you shouldn't sell them. <laughs> so I'm still not using these things, but it's now from this place of, I don't, I don't like what's possible. We, we'll talk about that concept more when we get to Ceasefire. But Political Secret is like a light 
version, a lighter version of that, where it's just like, I just don't, I don't like what, what it can do. Uh, the other thing I wanted to double check with this one, just to get like specific, is Xcha Commander does in fact override this, correct? There cannot uh, not vote overrides all the other stuff that this political secret does, or is that wrong? Oh, I mean, I I believe the Xcha Commander overrides this. Um, it's funny because I was trying to do a little bit of uh, research before we uh, started recording this episode as far as weird, uh, like, kind of multi-style rule-off things. Yeah. And I spent, like, five minutes thinking about whether Deadly Plot would <laughs> work. And I don't even know why, because it says right there they can't play action right. cards, so I don't understand why. Well, actually, here's what it was. At first, I thought you could play Deadly Plot because Deadly Plot happens after the agenda has been resolved, which is the same window of when this ends. However, you can't use Deadly Plot if you haven't like voted a different way or predicted a different way. So that's kind of crazy. Right. right. Yeah. I, th- this is a perfect example of the kind of thing that I feel like Hunter and I are always doing, which is we all, we always know the rules better than we think we do, but we're too careful. <laughs> we never. I don't think either of us has almost ever trusted our gut when it comes to like giving someone a ruling. We're always like, I think that's right, but uh, I better double check. <laughs> and just like well, having access thing to is... the people that do know it means we should just check with them. Exactly. Well, and it's not even just that we have access to the people that do know it. We have the access to the people that do decide it. Yeah. So it's right. not even really like, it's it's almost like it's worth it to us to throw that stuff to the council. Right. Because for all we know, we found a new loophole where they'll just now tell us what the ruling is. Right. Yes, 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 yeah. Okay, we have confirmation. Extra commander for, for sure let's extra still vote right the other stuff is actually yeah. still cut off but you can't have your voting rights taken away as extra right you gotta pull poli- if you're gonna political secret extra you gotta do it in like round two yeah <laughs> if you're gonna do it at all so you're probably not gonna do it you yeah. probably that's probably not on the table so congrats extra you have a useless promissory note good for you <laughs> you have like two you basically have two now <laughs> Uh, let's talk about our next one. Uh, let's get into trade agreement then, shall we? Uh, yeah. When uh, this player replenishes commodities, that player gives you all of their commodities, then return this card to the player. This is the, I mean, gotta be the most theoretically traded uh, promissory note from round to round. It, <laughs> you know, it goes it goes to them and then it comes back and there's a lot of goofy stuff. We've talked about trade agreement before when we've talked about trade like ethos and trade etiquette and stuff there's a lot of ways trade agreements get used and we will probably uh kind of resell those ideas uh but suffice it to be said this is something that you can trade every single round and make some money for uh, i don't know should you do that um yeah i i feel like uh this is used a lot actually trading the trade agreements but most people just simulate it they don't actually send them around um, it's the way to do binding trade whenever somebody has the trade strategy card and they want to trade with the table because um, it's really the only way to make it binding, right? Otherwise, you're sort of saying things in weird windows so it doesn't really work actually right. in at any point. But you know, nobody wants to play that annoying. So right. basically, we all just pretend that we're giving each other our trade agreements. Um, however, I actually make people give me the trade agreements um, <laughs> for some reason because I'm stupid and annoying. Um the card, I think, in general has some problems because every time you offer someone a trade agreement, um, you're you're offering them potential money yeah. that they then are probably going to have to pay somebody else to get. Right. It really only makes that much sense to me if uh, you're a four commodity faction, in yep. which case you're you're you know the, your TA is always worth three trade goods. That's pretty good. You can wheel and deal that. Yeah. Even in even in maybe like round four, you might be able to wheel and deal that right. if the objectives are right. Um, or like you are in a situation where like your speaker and you've already said that you're taking trade. So somebody's like, I'm gonna just give you this trade yeah. agreement for this thing instead of money. So you'll make even more money because you are in fact taking trade. Right. But otherwise it's just kind of a weird card these days. Like who wants to like have someone's trade agreement and then like convince the trade strategy card person like right. to pop it. And then you got to like cut them in and like lose money on uh like the value of it and then it's like you know 
maybe you got it from a two commodity faction, in which case it's like basically impossible to make any real money yeah. off of it. Yeah. You're making like one buck, right? You know. So I mean, it's just like it's weird. The X minus one meta has really crushed the spirits of this card so much because we're also so many people are so willing to do kind of like debt meta things. Oh, you a trade good later, whatever. Like we're just doing washing without trade agreement. Now you you should argue that. With the number of new ways there are to replenish commodities, it's almost like trade agreement should have gone up in value. But with all of the new ways to replenish commodities, we have all developed even more willingness to just wash each other and 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 move commodities around and all yeah. that. Everyone is so dramatically willing to just do whatever when you get commodities outside of the trade strategy card that the benefits you could have gotten out of these cells of trade agreement just kind of go out the window because it's it's it reminds me of Xchaw's uh faction promissory note that which we're not specifically talking about but the thing with Xchaw's faction promissory note is it it is one of their abilities it's just to quash an agenda and the prevailing logic is why would you pay ahead of time when you could just pay extra to quash the agenda in the right. in the moment that's kind of how trade agreement and all the extra replenish timings works is like why why like why get the trade agreement has them the only time it really really works is those instances where someone is desperate for like a dollar and so they're doing that thing of like listen i'm a three commodity faction i need one buck here's my trade agreement yes it might cost you to pop this later but like i'm building that even into sort of the deal i'm trying to just give you something so that i can get like one buck out of you and that's a pretty extreme example i think you know, honestly, at this point, the faction that I think of the most with trade agreement is uh, just go check out the Calaris episode, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Calaris gets that trade or that uh, commodity refresh at the top right. of every status phase, you know, so like you can really trade it in the agenda phase and give it to people for real money, for real value that they're going to get right then. There's no uncertainty. There's no weirdness right. um, like it is basically with everybody else. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just like it's. It's tough. People will still take it um, yeah. because, again, it, it, you really just got to think about who's going to be trade, uh, who's going to be taking trade. You know, you can always give it to the person that's going to have trade. You right. just kind of have to know right. that they're going to have it. But basically. that has so, kind of a shelf life is the un the worst part for this thing is because by the time you get to the late game trade nobody takes anymore it becomes this apocryphal strategy right. card in the late game you know rounds four rounds five especially around six all it does for anybody is put them in a really bad speak or a initiative order for scoring it very right. rarely i mean if specifically the objective 10 trade goods comes out that's like the only instance in which trade's going to get popped and then if like then it's only good if you take it because the other person's not going to just like let you pay them for you to make a bunch of money when a stage two is on the line, right? So even in like a best case scenario, it's still, even with trade getting taken, it's not very useful because the trade person has to like opt to let those people replenish their commodities for you to even make your money. So it really only works in the late game if you yourself are going to take trade. And then I question how much you're even getting out of it because you're just getting late game money when money stops doing as much for you as it was doing in rounds two and three. It just depends on who we're talking about, right. though, right? Because there's going to be a losing player. There's going to be a player that in round five is going to be like, you know, if there's a stage two spendy, is going to be like, well, y'all already have it. I don't. Um, I'm picking fifth or sixth anyways, right. so, like, I'm going to take trade. Like, it, there's there's weird cases, but by and large, in an, in the abstract, in the, in the plain of uh, absolute perfection where we are pretending to be uh -huh. when we record this show a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, the trade agreement just doesn't see a lot of play, yeah. I feel like. Right. Um, except for when I do my trades, in which case it sees a lot of play. And <laughs> you know what? I'm I, Lately I've been noticing that Daryl has been listening to the... Th Me and Daryl are getting closer. Right? We're becoming... <laughs> We're becoming close buddies, close friends, um, which is great for everybody because I've got great ideas. I just need Daryl. I just need them to get to Daryl's uh, desk. You know what I mean? Um, and the thing I have wanted for forever is I want, if I have another player's trade agreement in my play area on Tabletop Playground, I want to be able to right-click it and then turn it into however many trade goods it's worth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now... I don't know how easy that is. Of course. Why would I? I'm stupid. I'm the <laughs> stupid one. 
But maybe that'd be chill. And yeah. then people would be like cooler with my like kind of weird way of uh, doing trade. Do yeah. I think yeah. so. And and I mean, to go one step further than that, I would love it if we got, I mean, the, the advantages of Tabletop Playground is like these little physical things that can pop up for different things. Like I imagine more little arenas showing up. So imagine if you yeah. pop the trade strategy card and then a little a little arena shows up on Tabletop Playground where it's like, here's where the trades are can do their business. And instead of like this weird, like let's zoom yeah. way, way, way out and start moving money around. It's like, now let's just make a little table with everyone's sort of cordoned off sections and we can all put the money that we want to put in there and then we do the swaps and we can all see it physically happening rather than like, oh wait, what happened? I was looking at my faction sheet. It's like, no, 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 no. When trade yeah. pops, yeah. similar to like the agenda phase let's all go look at this thing i want to defend myself because i no one's ever really called me out for it but i've always felt like you know when i do trade i feel like it's just i'm a little bit like a little bit precious about it and i'm not precious about a lot of things the reason i do trade the right way as opposed to the wrong way which is how everybody (laughs) else does it um and by the right way i mean i give you commodities you give me trade agreement and then i refresh you right kind of deal the reason I do it that way is because the math can, if I'm just doing an X minus one with the table, that math is easy. We right. can all do that. It's right. so simple, you know. However, what if somebody thinks of something else right. or wants to shift the deal a right. little bit? I want to give them a little bit of time, a tiny little window yeah. to think about deals they could do with me because. And and I also want to give myself a little window to think of deals I want to do with them. Right. So that's why I like to take just a second. It's a reasonable second. Some right. people take too long with trade. Some people are so fast that like while I respect it, I it's fine. Uh, but maybe they're going so too fast. I feel like I'm getting hustled in those moments. Yeah. I just feel that's you, what I don't like about it. Is you're going so fast that now I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, it's a game of of trade and galactic politics. The the trading part should take a little time. We can all take a little time, people. Okay, <laughs> we can take a little bit, not too much. I'm baby bear's bowl of porridge. Yeah. This. So I like to give everybody a second to think of if they want to trade with me. And it's very specific. You know, I go around in speaker order from my seat. Uh, I do trade agreement swaps so that I keep track of how much I'm owed at the end. And I'm not just making it up. Yeah. You know, it's it's all based on component stuff. So if I'm going to trade with L1 and I'm like, I want to buy your trade agreement. And they're like, I want to throw in the old faction promissory note, or I want to change that trade to something else. Sure. We get it all locked down component style. Right. Nobody is just going into the bag and making stuff up. Cause that's where you get that's nobody cheats by the way. Nobody cheats in twilight Imperium ever. Right. But they do make a lot of little mistakes that you could, that you could think was cheating except for nobody cheats ever. Yeah. I promise. Nobody's ever done that. Not even once ever. Uh, do we want to take a quick little break and come back and talk about the other three promissory notes? You're dang right we do want to take a break. Why not? Let's take a break. We've been working so hard here. Okay, welcome back. And it's time to talk about Ceasefire, uh, which I'll read real quickly. After uh, this player activates a system that contains one or more of your units... That player cannot move units into the active system, then return this card to that player. There's a few abilities in the game that all feel like variations of Ceasefire, but I think it's really specific to, to like note what Ceasefire is. Ceasefire does not end the player's turn. There are other abilities that yeah. after activation or after X thing is done, after this type of action is taken, end the player's turn. That doesn't happen. This just skips the move step. You cannot move units into the active system. And that right. is very, very right. specific. Uh, and so with, with that in, in mind then, okay, let's continue on with with kind of the rest of Ceasefire. Uh, ceasefire is a curse. <laughs> there you go. Ceasefire is a curse. <laughs> yeah, you should not. Um, I, I'm basically convinced this is, I'm putting my advice hat on. Um, you, you, there isn't a very good circumstance to where I think you should ever sell, uh, ceasefire if you're doing, uh, well, if you would like to win the game, if you think there's a potential option for you to be winning, uh, I don't think you should sell your ceasefire, 
Um, I think a ceasefire swap, depending on the meta at yeah. your table, is acceptable under the condition that it be swapped back. But that's even non-binding. Right. I don't want anybody having my ceasefire yeah. because once the ceasefire is not in your hands, it belongs to the table. Right. It doesn't belong to the person the that you part. gave it to. It belongs to the whole table. It's all five of those players have that ceasefire if they want it. Yep. Yeah, that's really the nightmare is we've gotten to such a, especially with POK, like wind slaying is so possible. And so then the idea that that ceasefire is not going to end up in whose hands, because so many of these other things are public information. We're, we're about to talk about alliance and support for the throne. And the key thing with both of those are they are face up in the play area. So they are a known variable when dealing with that player. I know exactly what I'm expecting when I decide to interact with that player. I know who has kind of some form of leverage. But ceasefire is not that. It is this hidden, mysterious thing, and it definitely almost always will get traded to somebody else and used against you at a time you weren't expecting, and it really screws up your plans significantly more than just like, oh, well, I know so-and-so has my ceasefire, so I better be careful to, like, if I want to actually take their stuff, I need to have more command counters and I'll activate them twice. No, that's not going to happen. They're going to bluff that they yeah. even ha don't have it anymore, and, and it's going to actually be in someone else's hands, and when you need to take so-and-so's home system for the win, oops, there's your ceasefire whoopsie doodle it's going to become a shell game and by the way those other players that are getting your ceasefire they're not paying for it no. it's it's a free it's a free just let me help you out and and obviously i'm imagining a situation where you're winning basically yeah. that the only reason the ceasefire is important is because you're winning right. but like you want to win right like <laughs> so like you shouldn't give it because here's the thing yeah yes you could trade your ceasefire out you could give it out for some money and then guess what? You were never in contention to win that game, so mm -hmm. you just didn't, and then it wasn't a big deal, and nobody cared. Right. But if if you are going to win, then suddenly it's very important that your ceasefire is not in your hand. You yeah. know? So like that's why it's I feel like it's always a bad idea, because you're basically saying, well, I hope I don't get in a position to win so i don't know it's a little confusing in that in that way right yeah <laughs> i hope i never win yeah i hope i'm not gonna be the winner because otherwise this will have been a mistake <laughs> essentially <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I don't mind i'll i'll do a ceasefire swap with somebody yeah um, if it's like so we're trying to make something very um you know we're trying to build some trust yeah we're gonna swap back or whatever i, I love that, that element of it even more though it's less even that we're doing a ceasefire swap but i don't mind a one-way ceasefire if what we're talking about is an incredibly specific non-binding deal where you know them having your ceasefire is not the leverage. And in, in this situation I'm talking about is something like a, uh, uh, like I'm giving you the speaker, but I want first pick. So like, give me your ceasefire until you've done the first pick, because I want to make sure you're not going to take Imperial, something like that. That's hugely non-binding, right? But there are certain right. circumstances where there's so much on the line for that player that it would be completely foolish of them to not give you that ceasefire back in exchange for the amazing non-binding deal you've offered them. I like ceasefire as that sort of a contingency. It is less a thing I'm giving away for them to hold on to forever and more just collateral. Here's some collateral until we finish this deal. I, I do like that, right. and I've seen that used pretty brilliantly a number of times. Yeah, I, th I think that can be an acceptable way to use it. It's... It in my own personal play, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Um, and I would prefer, like, if, if there's ever a situation where it's being given out, that I somehow get yours. But I'll also say this. Like, sometimes you're losing. And when you're losing, it doesn't really make that much sense to be super precious about right. your ceasefire. Right. So, like, if, if you think that you're already in the, well, my chances of winning this game are really slim. Like, let's say you're playing a SAR yeah. and things have not gone well for you. Um, you're not happy. You're behind and your point tempo is really bad. Then should you give out your ceasefire? Well, I don't know. Does somebody want to buy it from you? Like, right. maybe. <laughs> maybe if, they'll, if they're willing to give you the money and you're like, I'm probably losing this game anyways, maybe sell it for big bucks then. I yeah. don't know. I right. mean... A lot of times, ceasefire is not really worth that much to somebody if you're the loser. Yeah. It's really only if you're the winner or you're scary, which is why I use SAR as right. my example, right. basically. Yeah. The, the other really quick example of that kind of collateral thing is when you're doing those really dangerous planet swaps for like specific public objective control objectives or even secret objective-y stuff where it's like, you can come take this and then I'll take it back 
next round or whatever sometimes a ceasefire is a good way to facilitate the timing of like you need to get out of the way so that then i can come in and a ceasefire can kind of get incorporated into that but i i hesitate to overly recommend that because it can get muddy uh just like any uh long-term planet swap can get muddy Uh, i never like being the person who's offering up the planet to somebody else even if there's like ceasefire stuff involved in me getting it back later it's like i'm letting you score the hard objective first and then i'm hoping i'm just going to get to uh get to score it later that's dangerous on the face of it that's just a bad deal even if they're going to give me their ceasefire or something in return yeah also you know we've talked about this on the show before but it's worth mentioning uh, because there was this big, you know, snafu in Tournament Three that yeah. eventually got resolved, which is that um, Gamma Mama, the Sardak commander, which allows you to commit units from adjacent planets. Yep. Uh, that does, I guess, count as movement when it comes to ceasefire. So ceasefire can stop that. Yeah. Now I've said that, so I can ask my new question: What about the new Yin hero? Because that allows you to commit. It that allows you to commit. Two planets. The ceasefire stop that. Yeah. Do we know? I don't think we do know. I think that right now that one is up in the air. But basically, the only difference between the Yin Hero and Gamma Mama is that the Yin Hero is a component action. You are yeah. spending that hero in order to do this, and Gamma Mama is sort of unlocking. Uh, a new part of the uh, invasion step, right? You know, it, right. it's it's altering a step versus a complete uh, new action. Yeah. There should so be a way for I'm them just... to make sure it works because the the phrasing of the thing currently, all we have right now is an official Dane FAQ, right? We haven't actually gotten yeah. the like proper uh, change to the rules that fixes all. Oh of this. yeah. So oh yeah, I- it's been a mess around here for yeah. years <laughs> in that way. Uh, the idea is supposed to be that. The, the rule pertaining to committing ground forces, if those ground forces come from adjacent planets or other planets, I assume they could extend it to, it would just be that committing ground forces counts as moving no matter how far they are committed from or whatever. So, so you, do you think that the Yin hero could be stopped by ceasefire? If the, wording is, if the wording is commit, then it will be blocked. It's fine. It's safe. That but is. it is a component action. It's di- it's different, that's, but that's it's, not. Uh, it's not a move, I guess. Is my sure point. the 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 current ruling we have within the Sardak Nor section is that Dane will change commit ground forces in the Living Rules reference to say move to ensure that ceasefire works. It will also prevent units from being committed to planets in anomalies without the appropriate technology or through wormholes if a enforced travel ban is a law. There are apparently multiple things that all apply to the situation where committing ground forces can happen from kind of weird places or whatever. All so right. I think it'll well, be covered. Well, you heard it here first. The Yin hero probably blocked by <laughs> ceasefire, but it's not settled yet. It's yeah. not law. All yeah. right. I'm going to fight for a distinction here because of the component action sure. aspect of it. And because I think Yin needs the help. All yeah, right? right. We just got done with that Yin guide. And what I was, we weren't saying, Oh yeah, yeah. They're fixed now. They're just yeah. a great time. <laughs> they're not. Well, at the very least, if it doesn't work, definitely Yin is never, ever, ever allowed to give up their ceasefire under any circumstances, no matter yeah, what. Yeah. But, but see, my point is it would be kind of cool if I Yin know. could give right. it out and then just be like, sure. yeah, whatever. I don't well, care. And, and, and then out. it flips to the other side of no one should ever buy in ceasefire because it's useless. See, and that's the other <laughs> thing too, is nobody should ever buy in support for the throne. Right. Like dead. what, what is going on yeah. with that faction? Oh, you know? man. What a mess. Uh, let's move on to Alliance. The Alliance promissory note is when you receive this card, uh, if you are not, the X player, you may place it face up in your play area. So this one is is up. It is no longer in your hand. While this card is in your play area, you can use the X player's commander ability if it is unlocked. If you activate a system that contains one or more of the X player's units, return this card to the X player. So again, we're going to talk about this outside of the context of all of these different specific commanders, but just generally speaking, Alliance getting commanders. Well, obviously, it's as good as the commander whom you is. are copying. Yeah, yeah. How, however good that commander is, it's as good as that. I want to say this, too, about that yin hero and ceasefire. <laughs> if, if 
you don't activate anything when you use the yin hero. Like I said, it's component action, but I did not I did not be specific enough. There's no activation. Right. So that's why I'm saying that. So with alliance, yeah, you can't activate. It's sort of like support for the throne, right. but like rarely do people care. There's no there's not really a commander that you care about in round four and round five so much to where you're gonna be like, uh oh, better not activate them. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean right. What could there be? There's Gamma. Gamma is that good. I would yeah. want to keep Gamma. It, well, especially if you started days. to build a strategy around, right? If you started to depend on Gamma seconds, oh, yeah. you might you might be sort of just trapped by by her allure and just you're. Uh, this is it. I don't have tokens in my fleet supply anymore, so time to make sure I never lose that. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's like a ton of other ones. I mean, maybe maybe a situation where you're you're like desperately trying to keep this thing going with extra and you need extras like no vote let's have lots more extra votes the two of us are controlling this yeah. thing that yeah, might sure, sure. be worth it but i mean that's gonna be incredibly rare i would say um but yeah i mean the good ones go early people are on the hunt for good alliances and the bad ones just stick around to the end of the game and nobody really cares or they get given away on diplomatic pressure or mentac or nalu all those different things like you'll just give away a bad alliance ghosts alliance is like the perfect like oh you diplomatic pressured me oh no here's one fighter every time here's, you move yeah <laughs> Yeah, here's here's a fighter when you move sometimes, not yeah, even always. Right, right. Just sometimes. Um <laughs> yeah, I a lot of the commanders um are unimportant. Some of them are very good. Uh so sometimes, you know, you're playing a faction that has a good commander. What should you trade it for? Well, a lot of times we see people trade it for another good commander. Right. And that's like kind of I think a smart trade in a lot of ways because then you're sort of not only are you saying Hey, I want to lend my good ability to you with your good ability. You're also saying, "Hey, we both don't want to fight each yeah, other. Right. We're both invested on, in this." Uh, the easiest example of this is Jolnar and Argent. Their yep. abilities go together really sweetly. I oh, think man. obviously the Jolnar ability is better than the Argent one. Take yeah. that Argent, you suck. Um, <laughs> but like, still, they they're neat. They, it it works. It builds off of each other. They're exponential. Yeah. We're rolling an extra die and we're re-rolling it if it is a miss. That's pretty cool. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where I love the combos you can get where you turn too fast. I mean, like, almost like Arborek and Sardak, although Sardak's not getting nearly as much out of that deal, but like an Arborek that gets to be unlocked by the power of Gomsekis or even Titan's commander where they get a trade good every time they build. Like, that kind of stuff is really beautiful. Titans and Arborek, if anything, are actually quite a good combo because Titans at least has oh, units yeah. with are production they? out there. I mean, are, it's obviously are better they for a Arborek. good combo? Has, <laughs> has maybe somebody explored how good of a combo that might be? Are you aware of maybe some people that may have looked at that? Uh-huh, sure. Are you aware sure. of that i'm not aware I'm of that about? no go ahead you don't know what i'm talking about no do you? i don't matt you you hurt me you 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 poke me you 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 cut me uh matthew we have played together in an alliance game yeah as titans well and that's Arborek not the same as a I, I mean you and i are never in a situation in an alliance game where we can make that go away but yes i agree it was a potent combo for an alliance it game. was it's a, a beautiful combo was it not yeah D i i just i i just want to take a little bit of time to reminisce on yeah. on us uh, on us playing as great allies our beautiful fantastic synergy. allies which, which you know i feel like we don't we don't even play that much i don't even see you around at my tables anymore matt <laughs> well what you, what's going on i got on? that kid you know what do you what do you do yeah i mean God, you want me kid, i mean if you would the kids if you be would over? let me when bring the her kid arc over <laughs> i would bring her but you won't let her in the house man i don't know what to tell you it's not me it's you she ain't coming over to my house all right <laughs> uh so the other thing i want to talk about with alliance is the the thing that happens in the late game where someone starts really kind of begging for your alliance uh sure. hey what's that about well it's almost always the betray a friend secret objective um there's yeah. two there's actually two secret objectives that have to do with uh promissory notes they both have to do with promissory notes in the play area but one of yeah. them is just have someone's promissory note in your play area and the problem with that one is it's kind of a bunk point because we do so many support for the throne swaps at this point that like you are kind of guaranteed that secret objective uh by by most measures it should like not be in the game yeah like it's actually my least favorite secret objective and it's every bad. time i want you to know listener when you win a game off that secret objective I hope that you are like kind of in tune with yourself enough 
to make a little fart noise as you win. <laughs> like, I hope you don't like win off that point being like, I am the best yeah. and you all suck. You like, know what it you should, should be? Recognize. Yeah, what should it be? It should be I have two promissory notes in my play yeah. area of different of different players Ooh, now that's actually a difficult thing to that's do that's a toughie that's yeah. a toughie but but i like it me yeah. likey me likey yeah uh but to get back to betray a friend betray a friend is very specific in that when you attack someone and win a combat against them if they if it's the it's one of the few times in this game where you have to remember uh the state of something at the beginning of this turn but it's not very long but you score that if you broke your thing with them. And the whole thing with Betray a Friend is it doesn't really apply to support for the throne. I mean, it can. There can be crazy instances where it's a big deal. Yeah. But what you're right. doing is swapping a point for a point, right? You are giving up your support for the throne just to score that Betray a Friend. Now, sometimes that opens up a follow-up action that now you, the sure. support for the throne was double blocking you on. And, and so but most great. of the time it's bad. Where we most lo- of the time we it's bad. Sort of but lost an alliance... Opponent. You lose pretty much nothing in almost all situations. So the second someone in round four is asking around for alliances, you should know that you're basically giving out a secret objective. And hey, guess what? That might be okay if you can get something for it. But just remember that the price for your bad alliance is way higher uh, because it's actually worth a victory point for that person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you want to see some interesting Betray a Friend play, check out my game playing as Calaris uh, on the YouTube. Um, that had some, uh, I think, I think, not to toot my own horn, but I will toot it. And I am a podcaster, so this whole thing is about horn tooting. <laughs> but uh, I think I do exactly what you should do with Betray a Friend, which is I, I make the trade early. Yeah. And then I never unlock the commander. That's, I mean, <laughs> what could be better? It's like creme de la creme, betray a friend. They got absolutely nothing. Uh-huh. And I got to win that game, which is pretty cool. Like, that's, that's, I just got to say, like, that's kind of how the, uh, what's good. the better case? To, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, anything else about an alliance, just generally speaking? I don't know that there's much more because everything else just gets so conditional on what the commander is actually getting you. No, I don't really have anything to say about it at this point, but I can promise you probably within the next uh, 30 episodes or so, uh, which I realize is 30 weeks, I'm saying, within 30 weeks, okay, <laughs> we'll probably talk about faction promissory notes and alliances. You know how much this show has completely molded our lives because we talk about things in this like yeah 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 in the next 50 weeks in the next entire year these these huge sweeping things will happen and we just sort of say that like a crazy person well hey listen we're only on 258 um we promised the devil 500 episodes about twilight (laughs) imperium that is something that is the deal with the devil that we made. Yep. So we're hey, we're over halfway. We just got we over just halfway. Uh, 500 right. episodes, baby. Let's do one final generic promissory note. And this is one where you could do an entire episode just about support for the throne because you could do an entire episode about the etiquette surrounding support for the throne. And you could do an episode. We have done an episode about win making and support for the throne. We back in the day, the famous thing was that the Lone Star tournament, the, uh, the Texas tournament adopted what yep. became known yep. as the Texas rule. If you are on the discords or out and about and you hear about the Texas rule, it's that you cannot receive a support for the throne for the 10th victory point or the final victory point in the game. Here's what support for the throne does. You know it, you love it. It's when you receive this card. If you are not that player, you may place a face up in your play area and gain one victory point if you uh, when you activate a system that contains one or more of that player's units or... Uh, if that, oh, oh, Hunter's added a note here, or if that player is eliminated, lose one victory point and return this card to that player. I like that addition, uh, and it's always the funniest thing that gets brought up in the end game scenarios where it's like, we need to oh, stop so and so. Well, we could kill this other person, and that would then make this, that so and so lose a point. Uh, but that is the significantly less common uh, outcome. But but yeah, you have uh, made a pact to not attack someone. Um, so what is the thing about support for the throne is to just give it away is a very, very, very broken deal that is yeah. not very good, right? For for me to give you a point, but I get to attack you mercilessly and relentlessly and you can do nothing in response unless you are willing to lose that victory point means giving this thing up one way is uh, just not a very good idea, which is why the support swap was developed, right? It's the only safe way actually to give up a support for the throne. Well, okay, so so let's break it down a couple ways. Yeah. So the one way support 
is pretty bad if it's from a neighbor. I don't like it from a neighbor oh, because yeah. that just feels like, oh, well, you're just going to be, you're going to get to have as much aggression against me as you want. And I'm just going to be kind of, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be powerless to do anything about it. You're always going to be at my throat, you know? I, I feel like I got to give Brian a lot of credit for this. Brian kind of, you know, years ago at this point, turned me on to the idea of like, what you want is to get your swap figured out. The one-way support, yeah, whatever. People think that's sexy. Or it's it's nothing. It's 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 dumb. It's, it's, it's something that's only going to make sense if you get it from somebody who's not next to you, somebody across the table, somebody that's not going to be able to get into your space. We got to make sure they stay far away with that support right so brian would do this thing where he would play early game he would play aggressive and then he would be like hey now that i've done this aggressive thing to you let's support swap and it will be over and so what he would get to do is he would get to figure out his support swap early there's a lot of games where you lose because you get too far ahead too fast yeah and then no one wants to support swap with you that sucks nobody wants that right nobody wants to experience that so brian is like i'm gonna be aggressive and then we swap, and now it's over. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And guess what? I probably got more territory out of the deal anyways. Or I can strategically seed some of that territory I took in such a way as to where it's a little bit better for me. So basically, everybody wins, but you win the most. Right. The one-way support is kind of, it's just a little, it's just a little goofy. And, and, this this is real bad for the three-way support, which is where yeah. uh, people decide to swap supports in such a way as to cut someone out. I, I hate to break it to you. I've seen the three-way support go bad because the problem is that you do it so that you can win-slay the player in the lead, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of times you will succeed, sure. But then you're in this very weird state where the three players that did the three-way swap all have, like, way too much leverage on each yep. other. right. And so, like, now it's just going to get really messy and they can each really hurt each other. So anytime the three-way support swap is brought up, you really got to think, like, all right, but what happens after that? How do we... Like, It's like... If somebody wants to do the three-way swap, I I'm always like, how can we like make this even more solid than the three-way swap? Yeah. Like, can we do three-way swaps and ceasefire swaps? Right, right. You need you need do? something like, extra. How, I agree. Yeah. How far can we go with this? Right. I don't know. Right. You you need extra contingencies there because it's it's a super dangerous, especially because what you're talking about is exactly that kind of situation. I mean, it's it's we're going to stop one person but we all know that this game there's always somebody after the first person you stopped and if you're yeah. if one of those is the backwards support partner that you have then i'm sorry you've just doomed the whole game now you can't do anything about them and they can take all of your stuff for victory points or whatever i feel like my response now when the third way uh, support swap gets um gets you know, announced as a possibility is I'm always like, well, can we just like win slay this person so I can support swap with them? Like, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like, right. Like, how about we just hurt them enough so that then we could swap? Yeah. Because yeah. that's what I want to do anyways. Right. So that would be better for me. So I let's mean, do that. That's why I'm a freak about getting a support swap done as fast as possible because I just can't take that pressure of potentially having that lord over me later in the game. I just yeah. can't have it. And what I love is, I mean, you see this especially in the like Euro Morning crew. They don't treat support swaps that delicately because um, if you get the swap done fast enough, you can still get away with something crazy and maybe get another like swap done after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Like the earlier a swap it. is done, well, the two of you can break that and and make swaps elsewhere or whatever. But like, I just like getting it done and out of the way. But just never trust it too much, right? Never trust it wholly. Um, you should always yeah. be aware that that player might be willing to break it, especially if the game is going to go long. Two pointers are the best way to skip over the support for the throne you got, right? If for I'm sure. at nine with your support, but all I'm going to win with is the two pointer, guess what? Your support for the throne is useless to me now. I don't have to do anything for you or with you. So you are now a target, a viable target for me. Um, I think that's when games get like the most dangerous is is the more you've win slayed, the more you've just opened up the idea that actually none of these support for the thrones mean anything because we're all just pushing for the two pointer. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, yeah, maybe maybe uh, I would like to see maybe the supports fly earlier so that we can then readjust mm-hmm. after we kind of find out who the winners are, who the losers are. 
Um, because I also think it could be a fun kind of factor in round one and round two. Right. A lot of my games, you don't see the swaps until round three or round four. Right. And sometimes, you know, some, sometimes round four, it's too late and now you don't get the swap. And that's just, that feels so bad to lose for that reason, yeah. by the way. It's just like the worst reason yeah. to lose a game. But, um, you know. The other critical thing with Support for the Thrones that th- this is a bit of a basic note, but it just, it should be stated if we're doing this episode is remember that support for the throne is very specifically when you activate a system that contains one or more of that player's units and that means if you leave any planets naked of course that's it there that's free real estate they can just take from you as much as they want and 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 incur no costs but thankfully i mean even things like pds and space stocks are units i mean it doesn't have to be infantry or anything on planets as long as long as there's a piece of plastic in that system they can't attack it this is the other reason gum can be so important and establishing early gum i think if anything this is something i fail to think about so often is i want to get my support swap done super fast but then i generally play pretty like grossly plastic light and if i just invested a little bit more time in gum i would get taken advantage so much less because very often i'm leaving myself into situations where my support partner can actually get leverage over me and that's a huge mistake on my part like that is a failing of me and and it's you you got to make sure you put stuff in the way of everything because there's always a way to get around that support for the throne if you don't. Yeah, I, I've no, you know, that's something that uh, you, we're 258 episodes into this project, Matt, and I still do not understand how you're able to consistently play Twilight Imperium with a light plastic thing. It's It literally gets to the point where I start thinking that you are shortchanging yourself right. on production or something, which Be- doesn't make any sense that you would be doing that regularly for like three or four years. Because I never understand why how everyone else has so much plastic i feel like i'm spending every single dollar every single round on like all the normal stuff i should have and it's just like my plastics just never where it should be here's my here's my thought of maybe what it could be is i'm actually underspending on command tokens generally i think i think other people will spend more on command tokens to make sure they can mm-hmm. get plastic where it matters because i don't think it's actually usually that i just have like no plastic at the table it's just like it's all in two spots and i i leave gaps all over the place but actually like yeah. all my stuff is on mechatol and at home and my entire slice is empty or whatever i think that's right. more commonly actually what my issue is is that i'm not because I see in this in commentary all the time, and I see it in your games all the time, where there'll just be like a round two or round three action where you're like, well, I'm just going to send my, this destroyer over there. And my brain goes, what the heck? That's kind of like almost, a, I mean, this is why you love DET so much, right? Because then that's never a wasted yeah, action and it's not anyways. Waste, yeah. But even without it, like you'll still do that because it's like, listen, there's value in gum like every round of the game. And I don't, I don't work on my gum early enough because I'm afraid of not having that command counter when I shouldn't be because actually the the gum is specifically more important than the access to eight more command counters at the end of the game or whatever. Even with the prevalence of Lightwave, you know, the game, I I hate to say it, but the game is political trade football and you got to have your linemen out there uh, to protect you from those people that want to sack your quarterback. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it's like, it is football with politics. And the thing, real quick, before we kind of wrap up here, I want to say support for the throne is to me the component that makes Twilight Imperium Twilight Imperium. Yeah. Because the fact that you can give away a point to a player and and the the card is called support for the throne. It's as if you're saying, I think they should be leader and not me. Mm -hmm. And then you give that away. And then the second that you've handed that over, you're like, yeah, but I'm going to take these planets because you (laughs) left them empty. So like, I'm just going to do that um, because while I said I was supporting Uh your throne, I actually don't mean any of that. Um, That's where Twilight Imperium gets its politics. And I got to tell you, its politics are a little bit cynical, but oh my God, I love it. And oh my God, does it never seem more relevant. It's always the most relevant thing. Twilight Imperium politics is real politics, people. It's how politics works. You say one thing, and then you do an evil other thing (laughs) that's nasty and bad. It's true. That's how politics is. It is a microcosm of the entire game in one single component. And that's why it's always so funny when people really decry it's like they said they'll take it out of the game entirely and it's like well now you really have pushed us a step closer to space risk because the whole point is that you gotta you gotta have that sort of leverage on the line that's that's the stakes of twilight imperium you can't take the politics 
out of it. That's that's what gives it its nasty kind of like blood red, disgusting, vile aspects yep. to it. <laughs> Tournament four, baby. You got to yep. check out these finals. You got to check out these finals. Yeah. It's crazy. Man. It's crazy. These what players. A, what a the scary players game. this year. Crazy, scary, frightening yep. people. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't have them at my house. Wouldn't yeah, have we <laughs> last year. Okay, like here's here's every year. The first year's finals. Wow, what a bunch of nice people. Wow, what a what a group. Yeah, what we a, had a Canadian. A, what a group win. to hang out with. A Canadian yeah. wins. What a pleasant little thing. The second year was this kind of nasty, but like flavorful group right like it they're, was they're capable uh yeah it yeah, was wrestling tournament, it was showmanship too is wrestling yes. yeah 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 so it was like wow we what we're we're learning that we can have personalities in twilight imperium we can have big bold maneuvers tournament three was discovering that ti is capable of uh, a very strange kind of like the, the the third year was defined by uh things like deals with devils right like truly sure. truly yeah. dark wind makey stuff hey i mean it was it was about lying yeah all right it was and just hey, about I, lying hey hey teddy's my personal friend and buddy <laughs> all right and but that year was about lying but yeah okay? it's that's all, all i'm gonna say there it's, all right it's, it's I'm about not saying any more than that right it's about loud crazy talking right that's yeah. sort of the thing but and, and so to me year three was us getting all accustomed to the idea that talking is very good. Tournament four is the evolution of that of like, well, now people are very good at talking and it's not just loud anymore. These people are all very nice. You could almost be convinced this is like tournament one until you see how all of these deals shake out. And no, it's not tournament one. It's tournament three after all. And, and in that it is, it can only be tournament four. I, I want to say this. I want to add a little something to that and say that to me, Tournament 4 was about how the seventh player, mm -hmm. okay, the seventh player drinks a goblet of blood <laughs> from the skull of his enemies. You understand? Like, it's the RNG of yeah. the game is there to do dark magic, okay? <laughs> and the players can only win by doing dark magic as well, yeah. okay? So there's seven players at the table, and they all want to be the darkest wizard yeah. at the left standing, yeah. okay? And this year, we did get... Uh, some very some very dark magic indeed. Yeah. It, uh, it's it, a spooky Halloween tournament. <laughs> you have to be capable of attaining a higher power to win Twilight Imperium now. You yeah, have to yeah. transcend we, humanity. We saw some coins flip in some devilish, <laughs> nasty ways that left me feeling sick and yeah. alone in this world, okay? And with that, I want to thank our weird bears, Big Al Cappuccino, Anvilier, Squeamish, Emu, Brassbird, Brian, Kaluan, Holio, Penguin, Kraken, Dark Jutsu, Goondock, Carnal, Necrodice, Twice, Totally Calculating Poet, Kindred Spirit, Lord Raddington, Bagels, Emilchevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky, M44, Rwise, and Wecker. And I want to thank Mama's lovely larva. My son is also named Bort Nerf Zerk. Tautology is what it is. Frank G, Rekka, Jadim, Jedi, Uncle Batty, Savant, and Teddy's Jam for you. Homebrewers Guild. Uh, again, we are getting through Gen Con this week. And then Artifacts should be kind of the following week. I, I may need some days to recoup. So it, it might be after that. But I'm telling you, after this Artifacts game, I'm going to do a Homebrewers game like every week or every other week for a little bit we're gonna just like yeah. start iterating on a bunch of stuff so give me a minute on this one it's a busy time of year and then let's go nuts together yeah we're about to be full-time podcasters again and yeah. instead of part-time podcasters part-time <laughs> tournament organizers i'm galactic council okay so i i'm getting the jump on it all right i'm getting the jump on this new era uh, of the tournament is over and we can truly just focus on this show. So this year, uh, or for sorry, I should say this month. Hold, ooh, calm whoa, down, whoa, whoa, whoa. okay? <laughs> calm down, Hunter. Uh, for the Galactic Council poll, I decided to put out two this month. Okay, first one is a normal, regular old. Galactic Council poll episode, um, and I will give you those options right now. That episode is coming out this month. Right. It will be it, like a normal episode. Uh, here are your options for that first one. Uh, the first option is Twilight Imperium Hero Tier List. Okay, we talk about all the heroes. We put them in a tier list. Uh, it's going to be the... It's it, You're going to pick that one, I bet. Uh, <laughs> second option is Mech Tournament. 
where we take all the faction mechs and we make them do a tournament a la the faction uh, flagships. Yeah, the flagship tournament. Uh, This one's going to have overly convoluted rules. Uh, We've seen a lot of discussion in the Discord about what the rules will be. how about you shut up about it? Because I'm the one that will decide. All right. <laughs> Actually, I'm just kidding. I will take your ideas, but then I'll pretend they're my ideas. <laughs> Third option we improvise a new Arborek leader suite. Um, the Arborek did not get a Codex 3 leader up- update. We think that's a shame. So we would like to talk about possible updates to the Arborek leader suite. They need the help, folks. They're like the worst faction in the mm-hmm. game. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard. Uh, I'll fight you. Fourth option is uh, kind of a boring one. Uh, which exploration deck is the best? Kind of a ranking of all the exploration deck stuff. It would be a good opportunity for us to talk about exploration a little bit with the new new Codex 3 yep. uh, Frontiers. Um, but in a kind of fun BuzzFeed listicle style way uh, that I'm sure all the kids would enjoy. Yeah. yeah, Okay. So that's all your normal stuff. Second poll is for an episode due next month. From now on, it's going to work this way, or at least for not from now on for, for now, for a while, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to put out a poll as for what the next month's Galactic Council episode should be. And the reason I'm doing that is because I would like the Galactic Council episodes to have a little more prep work involved. Yeah. Um, they've been kind of limited to being very off the cuff, uh, but I'm interested in uh, doing some like kind of deeper stuff. And so this is your way of being able to like kind of guide us in what direction we should go with uh, episodes that take a little more, little more time and a little more pre-production. So... Yeah. Here are your options for that. This is this will be coming out uh, in September, this episode. So first option is we play a game of asynchronous Twilight Imperium. We will play an entire game and talk about our experience, possibly with some guests from that community. Maybe it'll just be me and Matt. It just depends on you know how things shake out and what we end up feeling like. Uh, second option, we play a game of Twilight Imperium 2nd Edition and talk about its history. This will be a sequel to an episode we did a few months ago about Twilight Imperium 3rd Edition. However, me and Matt, we don't really know anything about 2nd Edition, so we yep. would have to learn. We would have to play, and we'd have to learn. Third option, we design a new scenario for Twilight Imperium 4 and play test it with the Galactic Council. This would be with the intention of this being kind of like, a, hey, here's this. It's available. You can yep. download it. You can actually play it if you want. Um, and then the last option is we play Rex, which if you don't know is a Twilight Imperium themed, uh, reskin of Dune. It's essentially Dune third edition, I guess. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and we talk about the history of that game. Okay. There's your Galactic Council stuff. There it is. Uh, check it out. It's a big um, month for the Galactic Council. It is. There's a lot going on. You should come and get in on it by uh, becoming a part of our Patreon. The tournament is now over, and a lot of people join our Patreon for the tournament. But I want to encourage you to join it for all of the other things that we do because we're trying to ramp that up. There's a lot of other projects Hunter and I want to do, and we only do it with your support. So please come be a part of our Patreon. Uh, you can find information about that at our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com. You can also uh, go to that website for information information about our Twitter, our, how to get onto the Discord, uh, our merch, all kinds of stuff. You can also please rate this podcast on your app of choice. Give us a, give us one of those meaty five-star ratings because, hey, yeah. we're even doing episodes in the middle of like the busiest two weeks of our year, and here we are doing a whole thing. It j- We just keep the busyness going, and we, we would really love it if you could just give us a little five-star for that and say, hey, keep up the good work, little boys. I'm so proud of you. You've come <laughs> so far. Happy graduation hags have a great summer wow definitely sit do five star hags five star hags love these little itty bitty boys that's like a good template if you just want to do that one right now five stars hags love these tiny itty bitty baby little boys so little itty bitty baby boys they are Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.